0: Let's hack the process together. Hi, this is David Green, and welcome back to Hack the Process. And before we get started, I just want to thank all the folks who've been subscribing on iTunes and leaving all those great comments. It's very motivational to me, and it helps people find the show. So I appreciate you doing that. And speaking of motivation, in this episode, we're going to hear some wise words from Coach Malik Benoon, a fitness and life coach who combines physical training with support for personal goal setting and continuous learning. Malik is going to tell us how he overcame his shyness as a child and emerged with the confidence to face his fears head-on. He actually prefers to sprint directly toward them as soon as he recognizes them, instead of running away. He also reveals his secret to measuring success. And here's a hint. It doesn't have anything to do with results that are out of your control. So today we're talking with uh, Malik Manun, and he's a coach. Malik, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing. So...
1: It's a it's a mix of fitness coach and life coach, I I want to say, um, but more on the fitness side of it. Um, what my big vision, my big goal is to help people build a foundation and build a foundation not only with their bodies, but with their mind, with their mental health, with their emotional health. And, you know, I think that the physical health has consumed people so much to where they think it's just like fat loss, just muscle gain. When I want to bring the side of it where it's Yes, that's true. But when you're building your body and you're challenging your body, you're at the same time challenging your mind, challenging your emotions. And that's the side that I kind of want to bring to light is that working out or getting fit or getting healthy isn't just about the fitness. So I want to build people's bodies. I want to strengthen their bodies as well as strengthening their mind and their emotional health as well. And then while doing that in the process, helping them transform their life. To for like them to see that, you know, they can achieve what they want to achieve. They just got to see it, or
0: they just got to believe it. So, I try to bring different perspectives. That's a lot you to know? take on because uh, the, just the physical health alone is a lot to, is a lot of a challenge. Did you start off uh, primarily coaching people in physical health? Yeah, so that that's exactly where I started. I started just with
1: fitness. Um, so I I was uh, actually a front desk at first um, at, at at a twenty four hour fitness, and so I was meeting people. I was greeting people as they came in, obviously. And what I came to realize was a lot of people are like super bummed when they come to the gym. Now, I'm not sure if it's the crowd or the the demographic, but they'll come in and they're, you know, they're just like, oh, I'm here again. You know, they'll like scan their finger and they'll go in the gym and they'll have like this demeanor where it's like, I don't want to be here. When I transferred from being a front desk person to being a trainer, I tried to eliminate like that part of it altogether. So instead of just you know, you're coming in to get your workout with the trainer, like you're having fun. Like you're not just training, you're having fun, you're conversating, you're talking about your day. And then how that became along, like how that, I just, my main focus at first was just make people have fun, you know, like have them enjoy the workout, have them enjoy working out, have them enjoy, you know, getting, being healthier. But at the same time, like relate it to their life, relate it to how it's going to help them at work, relate it to how it's going to help them in school, relate it to whatever it is besides the gym. And I feel like people kind of understood that. Like a lot of my clients were understanding, yeah, it's not just what you do in the gym. It's what you do outside, how you uh, conduct yourself, your actions from when you wake up to when you go to bed. So it's like a full circle. It's not just a sector of it. You know, that
0: makes sense. Yeah, that does. And I, I'm, I'm curious, it's an interesting transition to go from being behind the desk to being out there on, on the on the floor, just training people. How did you how did you make that transition? So the training program that I did wasn't wasn't like a 24 hour fitness like
1: certification, it was through um, this other uh, program, it was Nesta. And I believe it stands for National Exercise Sports Training Association. Okay, we'll look that
0: up. And we'll make sure to put that in the show notes too. Yeah, no, perfect, perfect. So this is something you have been thinking about doing for a while, though. Yeah, oh yeah. So since I was thirteen, <laughs> really, um, I, I'm curious how, how they prepared you for working with clients because that's always a tricky part of being a coach. I think that is probably the hardest part, and uh, they, I would say they did their
1: best, but I don't think any certification can really train you for like, you know, training clients because every you know everyone's different. So everyone has their different pros, their different cons, their different things that they like, they're different things that they don't like. So I use the information that they gave me based off of, you know, the, the factual evidence and the factual, like, um, biology of the body, obviously. But when it came to the personality and the emotional side of it, I would say I'm, my mom raised me very well to be good at reading people. Uh, So I kind of like use my mom's raising to help me do that. You know, I just listen, I listen a lot. I ask a lot of questions the first day, the first day, I'm probably you could ask like, any of my clients, the first day I'm talking to them for like an hour and I'm like without even touching the floor, but it's totally okay with me because I try to get to know the person as much as I can, you know? And I feel like if I don't know the person, I can't give them their
0: personal customized program. And I feel like if some, if somebody doesn't respond to your manner of speaking and your personality, I don't think that they're the right client for you anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, like
1: I try to be everyone's like, you know, trainer or try to have, be able to help everybody. But in some cases you can't, you know, in some cases, uh, for, for instance, for me personally, I'm not that good at, you know, rehab or, you know, when someone's injured, coming back for rehab. So for me, I think where the personal training thing kind of, um, you know, just like you said, every client isn't for everybody. I think where personal, personal training gets dangerous is when that trainer or that client isn't for each other, but they still do it anyway. So for me, if I was doing like, if I, cause I'm not good at prehab, I'm really good at building someone's strength. I'm really good at, you know, motivating people to get stronger or to build on some muscle,
0: even lose fat. I see. It sounds like that's something that you discovered once you started uh, doing your coaching rather than something that you knew going in.
1: Very, very, very good point. Um, that, I don't, Nesta definitely didn't teach me that <laughs> I, I definitely had to learn that by falling on my face a couple of times. So, um, you know, going, I would say the the thing that helped me the most though, to realize that is exactly like you said, like just doing it, you know, practicing. And of course I've had those clients and of course I did my best with them. And that's how I know that that's not for me. And so when I started training, I was training everybody. I was training the, um, the people who, who needed rehab. I was training the people who wanted to build strength. I was training the people who wanted to lose fat. So everybody was kind of like, quote unquote, my client or my, Demographic, it was the the time and time and time I I had as a trainer, uh, and the built the building of the experience that I kind of like had a more of a tunnel vision, and it kind of you know um, narrowed. It kind of narrowed the vision, and then now I have a clear a clear view of who my client is, who can I serve the best, and who do I know that I can give the best results to as fast as I can. And so
0: I try to stick with those clients. What I love about that is that you didn't try to decide upfront, this is the only thing I'm going to focus on and I'm going to narrow my focus and only do this. You went out and you tried everything. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And and everything, like literally it was, you know, it was, I would say my first year of training was probably the most unorganized, yet I've learned the, the most, like still to this day, uh, my, I would say my first year of training, I have learned the most considered like when, when we talk about volume, like the volume I learned that first year of
0: training was dramatic. So how has the process of how you work with a client changed now?
1: When I started, it was very one-to-one. Uh, I was doing a lot of one-to-one clients. So I would train this person for an hour. Then I'd go to the next person, train them for an hour. go to the next person, train them for an hour. And you know, that works to a certain point. If you want to work as much as I, you know, want to work and I, I enjoy work, it gets very tiring when you're one on one, on one, on one for you know eight hours in a row. When it comes to me, how I've changed that into where I can still give the client results, maybe even make the workout more fun, but still, you know, enjoy what I do is doing it in groups. Okay. So you see college football teams, you see uh, you know sport a lot of sports teams you see even the Olympic teams, like they all train as a team, they train as a group, they pump each other up. And so for me, I think a lot of people get more results when they're surrounded by people that also want to get those same
0: results. You know what I mean? Interesting, interesting. And do you do this uh, like just with sports teams? Or do you also do this in fitness centers working with groups of people? I think that
1: everybody works better in groups. And I, I think it's like a human nature type thing. Because when you see somebody either doing what you want to do or has done what you want to do or, you know, something along those lines, a different type of energy like fires inside of you. There's a different energy that just wants you to have that. And it's it's a human nature thing. It's just if someone has what you want to have, you want it even more. And so it'll push you. Now, if I'm training people one on one, obviously I'm not working out with every single one of my clients, or I'd be working out eight hours a day every day. It's just insane. So with my one on one clients, I would be t- I would be coaching them. You know, I'd be giving them the rest. But there's no one that they're competing against. You know, so when they got tired, and since I'm so nice, when they wanted a long break, I'll you know sometimes give it to them. <laughs> but you know, it just wouldn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the same intensity. It wasn't the same competition. It wasn't the same fire. And um through my experiences i've seen that when people are in a group especially when that group has very similar or the same goals and the the um the level of competition is fairly similar the the results are insane and the results come a lot faster just cuz people are motivated a lot more and they have they have their vision now
0: in in, in a tunnel you know that's really interesting i'm curious how you manage to organize and coordinate groups like that? I mean, just, uh, you've got a group of people who are going to work out together. How do you get them scheduled together and how do you coordinate them? Okay. So for me,
1: I'll have like a certain time where I'm at this facility. So the, there's a facility I train at. Again, I'm trying to transfer on from the in-person to the online training. So I'm, I'm not actually at a gym all day. I'm mostly kind of mo- moving around, you know, meeting people, trying to do interviews like this and, um, you know, try to get my name out there on the online world. And so, but when I'm at the gym, there's this facility that I go to, I'm there from, you know, whether it be four to eight, four to seven, depending on the day. And I'll just have my clients come in during that time. So if they want to come in, you know, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'll be there from four to seven. You just come in whenever you want, but you got to come in Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Now there might be one client there. It might be two or three clients there. It doesn't really matter how I organize it when they come in is, if they're completely different goals, I'll maybe separate them throughout the gym or I'll separate them through through different exercises or through different workout programs. Um, when it comes to very similar goal people and they come in, I try to actually text them and tell them, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, Jody's coming in at four. How are you coming in at four? Or, you know, oh, you knew, you know, Jody had a 25 a pound PR yesterday. Are, are you going to beat that today? And it'll pump them up. And um, so what I'll do is try to like, you know, kind of instigate a little bit. And then when they come in, depending on who's there, I'll either, you know, have weight loss people over here doing this stuff, you know, strength people over here doing this stuff. Just because, you know, when it comes to different goals in in that sense, the energy is a little bit different. Um, But, uh, you know, people who want to build strength usually want to lift heavy weight, want to get really into it, their mindset. They, you know, have that animal-like instinct with them. (laughs) But when you go with the people who want to, you know, just lose a little bit of weight, they're more you know they're they're not like huge workout people they want to look good though um, they want to like conversate with some friends they're not too much they're not too crazy in the head like the like the power lifters are uh, but they it, it, it's just really cool you know I think groups I think groups
0: are uh, a way of the future in fitness that's interesting so you've uh, one of the things I picked up on while you were talking about this you, you uh, were talking originally about watching people come into the gym and seeing them feel like, you know, not motivated. And those are people who are working individually for the most part. But when you started bringing people into groups, you started seeing that they were building off of each other. And it doesn't sound like you're creating like cohorts of people who always work out together or, or something like that. You're actually allowing this group to be very flexible and open-ended.
1: I think flexibility and giving like a client a choice, you know, really, really means something. But you got to give them a choice like, within boundaries and so instead of you know like i said if i'm gonna text someone and say oh do you want to come in today i'll, I'll give them like one or two options so I'm, I'm not going to give them are are you going to come in this week and just leave it at that because that's a yes or no answer and most of the time they can say no you know so i'm gonna ask are, are you going to come in monday wednesday friday or are you, are you going to come in just monday wednesday this week so i try to figure out kind of more on the terms of I know you're coming in, just what times are you coming in type thing.
0: That's awesome. So uh, you, you talked a little bit, you were doing some some stuff in the gyms and also some stuff online. Now, are you actually doing physical training online or is that the more the life coaching stuff?
1: What my business in general, like what it is called, like the umbrella is mind body performance. And so the, why I picked that name is because I want to, you know, through the mind and through the body, I want to help you perform better in all aspects of life. So, again, it's not just the gym. Now, people know me for fitness. People know me for, you know, working out and, and that kind of stuff. So, I'm obviously, I'm going to involve that. But, obviously, that's where I hold a lot of my passion. I just think that's not only where my passion is. I think I have a huge another huge passion to where I just want to see people freaking succeed at whatever they want to do. You know, like whatever it is that they put their mindset to, I want to help them, you know, just carve a path. And uh, I feel like some people might not know the how they know the why they know why they want to do something. They just don't know the how, like the steps. And I want to help them with the steps.
0: Um, So when you're doing this, you're, you're coaching people not only on their physical training, but also on their life plans as well.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, totally. So my, my programs aren't even like, they're so customized and so personalized to where I have no templates. I, there's no, there's no templates and I have no system to where I plug you in and you go and I chill Like, I'm just, my first thing is ask, just ask the client questions and listen, you know, see what they need, see what they want. Sometimes, you know, even though I I promote more fitness stuff, sometimes I can, you know, bring on a client and I do nothing fitness with them. They're in super great health. They, They know how to work out. They're very body aware, but their relationship is just off the charts and they need help with that. And so, you know, if I can, I'm not saying I'm like, some relationship guru. Don't call me that, please. But if I can help at all, like that's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to put in the work to help. Um, And that's just where I think that I was, again, my mom just instilled to help people, help people, help people, help people. And uh, it just comes from that. Um, I think, you know, I fitness was too, there was too much of a ceiling with fitness. You know, there was, there was a ceiling that I was hitting to where I was like, man, I feel like I could do a little bit more. And so I just removed the ceiling, and uh, now I'm just kind of jumping. I'm, I'm going for it. Um, kind of like in very th- in three words, if I were to describe what I was doing, build, which is like building somebody up their body and their mental and their emotional health, strengthen, so strengthen their foundation, strengthen their body, strengthen their mind, strengthen their confidence, and then transform. So help transform their mindset, help transform you know their their daily actions, help transform. Their life and their overall destiny. Um, so, those three words: build, strengthen, transform. I would say is what
0: I do. <laughs> How do you manage this um, with the with the folks who you uh, who you work with online? I mean, what 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 techniques do you use for managing uh, the coaching services that you do online?
1: So, the techniques, depending if they're coming from you know Facebook, uh, Snapchat, or if I see them in person. Um, The first thing I want to do is just email them. I want to email them asking them I I send them a whole bunch of questions and um, once they answer those questions, I do a call And so once the call whether it be a a video call whether it be just a phone call Then I kind of get to see the real answer of those questions. Okay, so I get the I get the first I get the um, The written version of the answers and then when I call them I get the vocal I get what's really coming out. I want to see where they're coming from first you know, and in terms of when you have time, when you have time, when you have editing, you know, where are you coming from? And then from that, I look at how how they talk to me on the phone or how they talk to me on the video and see if I could see any differences. If I could see any differences, if I can see any similarities, if I could really now see what a passion is or if something really pops out more when they're talking about it more than when they're writing about it. Those are the things I look for during the call. After the, uh, after the call, I kind of just sit down for like about 24 hours and just think, what is an action that they can do to help them tomorrow? And then I shoot that up, shoot that action to them, whether it be email, text, or Snapchat, or whatever. I just send it to them. And then with that action that they can do the next day, a very simple action, then I kind of get into my brainstorming. And then I get into my kind of scientist man, scientist hat guy, to where I try to really build a program for them, whether it be, um, you know, just fitness, whether it be, fitness and life, it doesn't matter. That's when I kind of really get into things, you know, when, when I know them. And then as I'm building their program and I send out their action, the program probably takes, you know, a couple of days, maybe up to a week to, to fully create. Again, I have no template. So I'm doing everything from scratch and just by the
0: person. Um, very hard to scale. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm worried about. But it sounds to me like you're probably going to be doing the same thing that you did when you started with training. Right now, you're doing everything by hand and you're figuring it all out. And as you do like, you know, 50, 100 clients, you'll start to see patterns that you can start to systematize. That's ex- exactly I'm just literally jumping, you
1: know, I'm, I'm jumping and I'm seeing where I land. So um, yeah, you know, I think that once I get to get once I get my head right and figure out exactly what they need um, and, and give it to them, then it's just a point of keeping them accountable to those. You know, um, I think I do. I think that's one of my Strengths too is I just really care. Again, I think it comes from my mom um, raising me with just all the love in the world. But I literally have so much care for people, and people are like shocked of how much I like truly care.
0: One of the things that really uh, drew me into what we were doing is the confidence that you project and the way that, for example, you you just jump right in and try things. I'm curious. You you've done this all your life, I guess, with the, with just jumping in and trying things, or is this something that you just started doing recently?
1: I'm I'm actually really, really excited you, you brought that question about. Hopefully I don't talk this is a huge thing that I could talk another hour about, and David, is like self-confidence. When I was just like I said, when I was thirteen and when I was a kid growing up, um, I was actually the most self-conscious person you would ever have met. Really? Like literally.
0: Yeah. I'm trying like to I'm, picture that.
1: And then it's weird it's so it's so weird to me because obviously people that I've meet I meet now that I'm older, like they don't know what I was like as a kid. Obviously I do, you know, I I was with me from the day I was born. So I, I have, I I would say I'm pretty self-aware to where I know that I would say from 18 years old and before I was super shy and it came to the point when like I was that kid when my mom would introduce me to her friends where I would hold onto her leg when I was like five to, to seven, you know, like, Maybe not to seven. I'm not sure. But, you know, I would hold on to her leg for God dear life. And then, you know, when when I would have to go to a party in high school or something, I would just stick to my group of friends. I wouldn't go out. I wouldn't go, you know, talk to people. I was so self-conscious. It was ridiculous. The first thing that actually helped my confidence was acting class. And actually, if I could reckon if anyone's listening to this and they are still in school or have time to go to school, 100 percent take one acting class if you're shy because that is the one thing that helped me out so freaking much. Um I had a teacher her name was Miss Menzel and she was the best teacher. She made me feel so comfortable in class. I remember the first like the first semester was all games, you know, to get like people comfortable, to get people having fun. Um and so I was like, yeah, you know, this is cool. At least we're not actually acting and having to read and memorize cuz my memory's poop, man. It sucks. <laughs> um but uh, the next semester was all acting. And so our first thing that we had to do was a monologue. And my monologue I chose was Denzel Washington from Remember the Titans. As he was talking to the kids when he just got in the court, he was like, you know, talking about how they're not going to be, how they're not going to be wussies anymore. How, you know, if, if they can't, um, if they can't take the heat, pretty much get out of the kitchen type talk. Like as I did that monologue, I think I kind of saw, my self-confidence change at the same time, my heart dropped, my stomach, I couldn't feel my feet. I was up on stage and I was looking out into the the classroom and I was like, am I really doing this? Like, is this real? I, I hate my life right now. Like I, I do not want to do this at all. And uh, I just went for it. And like the way I went for it was just imitate Denzel, imitate Denzel, imitate Denzel. And so I tried to imitate him to where, I imitated him, I guess, pretty well to where the teacher said, Malik, you like you you did pretty good. You should, you know, think about going into acting too. Or she said, like, do another I forget exactly what she said, but it was a compliment. And I was like, from that compliment on, it, it, the game was like the game changed. And so from that point, I was like, dude, it's not just me. It's not a genetic thing. It's just my mindset. It's like how I'm looking at myself and how I'm how I think people are looking at me, you know? And so that was so um, that was the main driver of my actions to where I was shy. I wasn't talking to where after that monologue and after getting a few compliments, the game was over and I was like, man, I'm just going to do whatever it takes or whatever, you know, gets me nervous or has my stomach drop to where I'm just going to do it because I know I'll be a lot more confident after the fact.
0: That's really interesting because you're talking about basically targeting your fears and going toward them in order to accomplish what you're trying to do. At full speed <laughs> at full because honestly, this, the one thing I heard was if you
1: let fear grow, it matures. And if you're if you're fighting a matured fear, a matured person, then you have a way more likely chance to for defeat. I would always say when fe- as soon as you f- like feel the fear, like run after, like literally look it in the eye and just go after it right then because your self-confidence,
0: it'll all get better as long as you don't let fear grow. That's, that is really awesome advice. I'm curious how, that's, how has that actually worked out for you? Have there been times when you have jumped into your fear and it hasn't worked out? For good 99.9% of times, it has always worked
1: out. Now, this is just because other people are kind of, um, you know, I mean, kind of like you said, inspired by the whole like confidence of jumping. And they think I'm like this super self-confident guy. I'm not that self-confident, to be honest. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm working on it. And it's a, a process. But I think everybody has this this little part of them that you know they know that they can get better or they know that they can improve on. And that's what they think about the most. Um, and I think that if people start focusing on their strengths and actually what they're really good at, that will kind of change a lot of things in their life. Is there anybody that you model yourself after? So uh, Lewis Howes is one of them. He's the reason I'm, I started the podcast um, You know, in, in that class that we went to. After that class, I was like, dude. This is possible. Like for some reason before that class, I was like, it's impossible for me to make a podcast by myself. There's no way. And then from that class, I was like, dude, like all to do is this, this and this. I mean, obviously it's not like the easiest thing, but, uh, you know, there's actually steps. Like there's actually like things that I can do. So Lewis House is a huge guy for my podcast for sure. Gary Vaynerchuk is another guy for business. He's just a freaking genius and he, he's an execution monster. Um, so when it comes to execution, I try to follow everything he does. There's Tim Ferriss. Um, I try to listen to a lot of their, their podcasts and their episodes. Um, people they interview. Um, you know, there's a barbell business just because I'm in fitness, and so I like um, I like to listen to that podcast. It's a very it's very fun to listen to. So i and and there's also you know things that I can apply to business. So it's fun and it's educational. Ah, uh, very informative, and uh, these guys are hilarious. They just talk about how they ran their fitness business from the ground up, and the 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 fun of it now is hundred percent worth it. It's just fun to listen to. But what I've honestly, what I've been trying to do is be less as a consumer, because last year in 2015, I probably listened to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of podcasts, to where I'm like, wow, I, I I've learned so much, but like now I need to start doing something. And so I just released a video actually last week where this is the year that I just said, I'm going to act more and talk less. And so what I mean by that is just this year, I feel like, you know, God bless those mentors. I, I love them. I, I, I love what they're doing. But I just want to see what I can create now and what I can teach people and what I can inform people on. And so I would say, yes, those are my mentors. And I've listened to a lot of their stuff on podcasts. And now I would say I'm transferring over to the, to the, now
0: I'm going to try to create some stuff. And so I can try to teach some people. Take it from concept and motivation, take it into action. I really, I love that. It's a circle, you know, (laughs) it's a circle. That's true. It'll, it'll feed back into itself. That's also very true. Always, always. So, how does uh, how, how does podcasting fit in with the rest of the things that you're doing? Because uh, you know, you're coaching offline uh, in the gym, you're coaching online for life coaching and motivational stuff, and also you're doing this podcasting. How does this all fit together? For the offline, and the online, the
1: the podcast, the blogs, all that kind of stuff, it connects because if someone asks me a question or something, and I don't have the time to answer, or like maybe I'm getting an email and I. I'm somewhere where I can't really answer, but I know that they need the answer right then. I'll just say, hey, go to my blog. Or it's just a place where my clients can find free information that they know is coming from me, they know is reliable. Um, and another reason for it is for, uh, for people to find me. You know, if people are searching on the web um, and they want to know this and they find that blog or they find that podcast and they enjoy it, then they're like, oh, you know, maybe this guy can help coach me. And then if they come ask me, then I can kind of, you know, reach a bigger Audience that way, um, and how it connects to my offline clients. Again, it's just like a reliable place to where they can find information said by me, said by their trainer. Um, in you know a few a few spots. I'm not everywhere, obviously. I have my website, and I have my podcast, and those are my two pretty much main ones. Plus my social media, um, but I don't do too much more than that. I'm not like some crazy like, oh, I got this over here, that over there, that over there. I try to like again just stick with what I can do um, and what I can you know, get a good amount of volume at. I'm curious what your routine is like and how you keep yourself organized. Each week, I set a goal to have a certain amount of content done. So whether it's a certain amount of tweets, a certain amount of Instagram posts, a certain amount of podcast out that week, a certain amount of blog posts out that week. And what I'll do is the blog posts always come first. They're easy, they're quick, they're easy to read. I'll post them out Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. From those, I find what people... You know, uh, relate to more if they relate to post A or if they relate relate to post B more. Or which one did people like or enjoy mo- most? Um, from that, I create a podcast, and then from the podcast, I kind of get into that blog post a little bit more. Again, it's very similar to how I coach. I, I send them the the questions, and then they type me back and they send a written form. So the first thing I do is a written form on my blog. The second thing I do is a call. So I call my clients. I, I listen to their emotion, I listen to their, how they really feel, that's my podcast. It's pretty much just my feelings on my blog that I just wrote about a couple of days ago. So the, now the emotions are coming out. And then what I want to end up doing is doing a video to where on the weekends that video will show and then that will be, you know, now you get to not only hear what I'm talking about
0: and know what I mean, but
1: now you get to see exactly how I put
0: it into action. That's a, it's a lot to keep track of. And you, you're since you're trying to do so much, I'm curious how you keep yourself motivated to just keep on churning it out all the time. Yeah, it's hard.
1: Um, I just got a a question this morning on actually I get a lot of time is how how to stay motivated. And I hate to say it sometimes, but I love to say it other times. It's like, it's just who I am. Like that's just, I'm like a lot of the time, like a good 23 hours of the day. I'm freaking pumped. Like I'm just pumped up. I don't know why. Um, Lately it's been even more. Uh, but, you know, there does come times to where, you know, it, it goes in like cycles to so whether it be like a month or two I'm on and then a month or two I'm off. The times that I'm on, I just obviously I flow with it. You know, I just let it be. I try to just focus all my energy, on like on my on my energy, on my motivation and say, man, use it. You got it. So I like, you know, 10 at night, 11 at night. That's when I'll be getting those extra posted. That will help me when I'm not motivated to say, OK. It's not just me. I know that I was, you know, I'm probably getting burnt out or something and I listen to my body. So if I'm unmotivated, the first thing I do is I listen to my body and see, is it something that I really, I do, I, do I need to rest? Do I need to recover? Do I need to kind of put my mind to ease for like a week or a couple of days? Because I think no one can go hundred percent for 365 for year after year after year after year. They're just going to burn themselves out. And if they do go 100%, 365, year after year after year, they're only going to go for about three years. I'm trying to go for 30. (laughs) 30 at least. Exactly. No, 30 at least. Um, So what I'm trying to do is just stay consistent. I always say consistency is key. And so if you're unmotivated, the first thing you got to do is figure out, you know, Is it time to take a recovery? Is it time to take a rest? But if it's not, if you're like, no, like I really do got to do this. I know I got to do this, and still aren't motivated. That's where external people will help out. So accountability or your environment, and this is something that I try to um, try to preach as much as I can because not everyone I know, not everyone's going to be as motivated me as motivated as me as much as I am. It's just kind of unrealistic. What I just answered a question today. Someone asked me oh Malik I'm not feeling as motivated usually like like what should I do I told him do these two simple actions one find a different environment okay there's something in your environment now whether it be just you telling yourself that you're tired that you can't do it or whether it be someone else telling you that you know you're not that good or you know you probably shouldn't do it it doesn't matter there's something within your environment right now that is pulling you down that's deflating you find an environment that's gonna inflate you find an environment that's gonna pump you up full of energy or that one person that pumps you up full of energy. And, and that's why I, I train people is because I do that to a lot of people. I just pump a lot of energy into them. But when it comes to like, if I'm not there, if you don't know who the heck I am, you need somebody else to do it. Or, you know, the other day for me personally, I was getting my blog post done at Pete's and I had a workout at six and it was about five thirty, And I was like, man, I haven't eaten. I just been like, I think it was like four or five hours since I've eaten. I'm just not feeling this workout. And I texted my workout buddy. I was like, hey, I'm headed home. I got a lot of stuff to do on my website. I just, I don't have enough time to work out today. And all he said was 30 minutes will make all the difference. How could I say no to work out after that text? (laughs) So I was like, okay, I'm coming. I'll be there in a little bit. And uh, you know, it's that external force. So again, times where I'm not motivated, I'm gonna need that external force. But when you're not motivated, Internally, it's very, very hard to motivate yourself when you're unmotivated. You know, you're gonna have to find that external force, and don't fight the external force. I think people like to fight it sometimes. Or if they're watching like uh, a motivational, um, a motivational video, or if they're watching like, if they're hearing somebody uh, speak about motivation, they kind of like have a wall. They're like, oh, I don't want to get motivated. I say allow yourself to get motivated. You know, allow yourself to get to get pumped up. Because, you know, that's where the magic happens. That's where things actually start rolling is when you're pumped up. And when you're, and when you're pumped up, you're confident. And when you're confident, you take action. When you take action, shit happens, man. And so what I would say is first get pumped up. And if you're not pumped up, find an external force, whether that be accountability, a coach, a trainer, uh, a friend. Again, it doesn't matter, just something external because it's very hard to find internal motivation
0: when you're unmotivated it's, uh, it's, it's impressive the way that you keep yourself motivated and the energy that you project is, is really powerful. Um, I'm curious if there's a vision that you're, you're moving toward, like, uh, where do you see yourself taking this a year from now? You mentioned three years, you mentioned 30 years. Where, where do you see this going next? So my next step, so I have my podcast out, I have my blog out
1: and my next step is the YouTube channel. And so I want to get that going and I want to get, you know, a hundred, my goal is a hundred videos. On YouTube by the end of 2016, um, 100 blog posts out by the end of 2016, and then uh, 60 podcast episodes by the end of 2016. And then, boom, that's it. So that's what, those are my three focuses right now. And as long as I can do that, as long as I have tunnel vision and, can, and only focus on those three things, I feel like the rest will take care of itself. And so for me, my plan, I have no plan. My plan is to get better with these podcasts and get better with these blog posts and get better uh, with these YouTube videos or start. Um, But it's not where I'm going. It's what doors will open and which ones will I take type thing to where I feel like if people act upon what they want to do and they act and they are, they're going towards their ultimate goal. You you shouldn't have too much of a detailed plan because, you know, most of the time it's not going to end up that way. And you're just setting yourself up for a disappointment. And so what i try to do is set myself up for the least amount of disappointments um i know i'm gonna have 60 podcasts out by the end of the year i know i'm gonna have 100 i know uh 100 blog posts i know i'm gonna have 100 youtube videos it's the matter of am i gonna get better and are those gonna be more um more wanted by the audience like are people gonna actually enjoy them more and so that's what i try to focus on if that makes any sense or if that answered your question
0: absolutely i, I can see it Well, you're being you're you're being very specific about the metrics that you're going to measure yourself by, but you're being very general about what the content might be and and how you're going to how you're going to judge the quality of what you're doing.
1: Absolutely, and just because you, I mean, you never know what um, people are going to want. You know, I feel like you know, obviously now people are going to want to lose weight because it's you know the end of winter, uh, Valentine's Day is coming, spring's about to come. So right now until about April, it's going to be a lot of weight loss. So I might talk a lot about a, a lot about you know, cutting out carbs, weight loss things, you know, high intense workouts. But during the summertime or towards the end of summer, August, September, October, you know, when people like to bulk a little bit more, uh, I might talk about muscle gain or protein shakes that will bulk you up or, you know, my Hulk shake recipe or, you know, all this uh, different kind of stuff to where it always, it it all depends, you know. So if I'm going to post, you know, get fit on Valentine's Day on Tuesday on my podcast, I'm not going to post something completely different on my blog the same day and promote the same and promote two different things on my social media pages, um, the same day. And so usually within a week, uh, within a week or two weeks, I'll have the same type of vibe of the same type of feeling or same type of,
0: uh, you know, feel or vibe to the, to the post that I give. And they'll all be Similar in that sense, so you're putting out podcasts and blog posts and YouTube videos i'm curious what's going to go into the YouTube videos? What could listeners go there to find so that's kind of what i'm
1: I'm hesitating about I like i don 't know what people want to see, and so i'm asking people i'm talking to people and saying, "Hey, what would you like to see on YouTube because i'm always confused of people want content, but they don't want too much content. you know you don't want to have twenty minutes of me eating ice cream you know you want like do you want five minutes of me just working out? Do you want seven minutes of me working out plus maybe some tips? Do you want just two minutes of just tips? You know, so um, I guess I'm trying to more. I'm trying to figure out exactly what people want to hear and what I want to say, and then find the kind of like the the Venn diagram type thing. Find the middle. You know, what people want to hear. What do I want to talk about? And then whatever's in the middle of that Venn diagram, uh, that's what I'll start to do the videos on. And so I'll say I'm pretty, I'm pretty close to doing the videos. Um, I'm not sure if you're on Snapchat yet, but I'm like a huge Snapchat person. Uh, I'm loving Snapchat right now. It's uh, super fun. And like people get to see kind of what I do, like behind the scenes of the podcast or behind the scenes of the blog post, like they'll they'll see me writing it. And so as they're reading the, the blog post or listening to the podcast, they're like, oh, I saw him on Snapchat. Like he was at the, he was at Pete's when he was writing that, or he was, um, listening to 143 when he was doing that podcast or like whatever, you know, um, just these weird things I'll put on there. So um,
0: I'm super a fan of Snapchat. If you're not on
1: Snapchat and David, I'd highly recommend you get on it.
0: I've been, uh, I've been trying to get used to Snapchat. The uh, the ephemeral nature of the the information on Snapchat squicks me a little bit, but, <laughs> but I appreciate the things people publish out there. It's all very, very raw and unfiltered. And I love that. Exactly. It's very real. And
1: that's, that's why I love it because a lot of the times when you're seeing these YouTube videos or these podcasts, you don't know exactly what the person's like because of the whole editing phase, the whole, oh, we can edit this, we could put music in here, we could actually put this part of the video over here, we can turn this sideways, we can make this effect. You know, there's like so many things that you can actually do with it. Uh, and the more I'm getting into the whole editing thing, like there's more, even more that I didn't know about. Because um, if you're really good, there's actually like a lot of things that you can do. <laughs> Um, I'm not that good at it though. So, uh, but when it comes to Snapchat, again, it's all real, it's all authentic. And the reason the engagement is so high is because people appreciate that, you know, people appreciate the authenticity, the, the realness. And I think that there's no more where, where things are going. There's going to be no more hiding who you really are. And I love Snapchat for that only reason is that I think that, the people that should be succeeding anyway are the people that are willing to put out their authentic selves, are the people that should be um, you know, putting out what they truly, truly uh, you know, have a passion for or truly have a, a care for in this world. Um, and I think that Snapchat is doing a great job at um,
0: portraying who people really are. Uh, and that's what I love about it, to be honest. That is a very compelling argument, and uh, if, if everybody who's listening doesn't go out and use Snapchat immediately, I'll be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a Snapchat little uh, a boost, hopefully, hopefully. So, I wanted to ask you, how you measure your success? How do you determine whether you're you're succeeding at what you're doing or not? Um, that's actually a, this is
1: one of my weaknesses, to be honest. Uh, I'm not good at doing this. I'm not good at measuring success whatsoever. Um, I always think that I am one step behind than where I really am. Uh, that's just how my mindset is. So if I'm, if I'm realistically right here, then I think I'm two steps behind. And that's how I always, I always thought that's how my mindset was always, um, I think that's how I was brought up in sports. I think that's how I was brought up with competition. And that weakness kind of screwed me in my confidence growing up. And that was like, I'm more self-aware about that now because again, I always thought I was a couple steps back than I really was. So I never thought I was good enough. Once I'm be- becoming more self-aware, I'm realizing that yes, it is a weakness. But because I know because I know that I think that I'm two steps behind, I reevaluate a lot more. And so that's kind of what I do is I take actually time to sit by myself and just think. And I think a lot of people need more of that is like self time without TV without music, without, you know, music's good, but sometimes literally just sit by yourself in complete silence. You know, the shower works. If you go on a little quick hike by yourself, it works. It it works the best in nature um, or somewhere outside. If you go on a walk, um, you know, down down the block, maybe drink your morning coffee with it, you'll really be surprised of how much you actually talk to yourself and um, how self-aware you can become from that. Uh, so I, I I would say I talk to myself, I, not in the weird way, in a way of re, reevaluation, um, but I reevaluate myself and I say, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing for this goal? And am I acting or am I just talking? And that's where the whole like, 2016, act more, talk less comes from. Um, that's my motto for this whole year. And so I reevaluate, am I acting or am I talking more? Which one am I doing more? And if I'm talking more, then I'm like, okay. You are two steps behind. Let's start acting. Um, but lately, I've been a lot better at realizing. Okay, you did this, this, and this. There's factual actions that I can, you know, look on the web. The, the, the online thing has helped me a lot because now there's actually, you know, dates of when I posted my posts out, so I can see. Okay, this day I did this. This day I did. I'm actually getting stuff done. Um, and so once I reevaluate and see what I've done, if I can see it, I have a lot better feeling. Um, of, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going the right route. It's when I don't see anything or like, you know, sometimes you'll be putting in the work and you'll be, you know, learning how to do this, how to do that. And just sometimes the the learning process takes forever. And you did a lot of work. You learned a lot, just there's nothing to show for it. So you think you did nothing. And so that part, I'm, I'm, I'm still a little weak. That's my weakness, um, for when I'm learning and for when I'm falling on my face or for when I'm doing all that kind of stuff to where, I realize it after the fact that it was a learning process. It's just in that process of failing or falling on my face, I need to know that I'm doing the right things.
0: Well, let me say officially, I don't think that you're further behind. I think that you're further ahead. And one of the things that was absolutely beautiful in your response was, I was asking you about how you measure your success. And your response wasn't about, oh, I track these metrics. Oh, I measure this account. Oh, I count these numbers of people who look at this thing and click. You were talking about the things that you see yourself doing and the progress that you're making on the things that you want to be doing, the actions that you're taking. And that, that, that's a very motivational uh, response to that question. Oh, did it motivate you? It, it did. It did. Oh, hell yeah. It Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It did. Absolutely. I mean, this, this isn't, you know, don't judge yourself based on how many people are reading your blog posts or whatever. Judge yourself on, I said, I was going to do 60 blog posts this year and I did them.
1: Yep. No, a ex- hundred. did. Oh my God. If you, if you can literally have that in your, in your mindset, you'll be fine forever because you know, everyone, if if you look at anyone um, who you would, you know, quote unquote, say is successful and look at them when they're just born, no one knows them. So they did something to have people notice them. They were just born unless you're like a prince and you're born from the queen or something. But like, you know, when you're straight born, no one knows you, you have to literally put in actions for people to know you. So for me, it's not about focusing on the people, it's about focusing on the actions because that's really where it counts. That is honestly very inspiring. I, I take a lot from that.
0: Uh, tell everybody where they can find you online. Um,
1: so my website at uh, Malik a l e k a b n o n dot com I have pretty much everything on there. If you go on there, you'll be able to find everything else. Um, but one more if you don't if you don't have Snapchat first, get it. And then follow, add me as a friend on Snapchat, malikb B, M-A-L-E-K, B as in boy, as soon as you can. I love Snapchat. It's just awesome.
0: Are you glad you listened to this episode of Hack the Process? Then take an action now. Make a note about something you just heard and how it's going to help you as you hack your own process. And let me know about it. This has been M. David Green, your host for Hack the Process. You can tweet me at hack the Process. Leave a review for the show on iTunes and visit hacktheprocess.com to check out the show notes for this episode and join our community of process hackers. Thanks for listening.